Hi there, this is How to Choose, the show that helps you make better decisions and improve your judgment. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tessa. And I'm Ken. In this season of How to Choose, we're covering some of the common obstacles that impede good decision making and talking about how to overcome them. So to recap, we've already looked at analysis paralysis. Uh, We've explored overconfidence. We've talked about the problem of not sticking at decisions and the opposite problem of being so rigid that we're unable to adjust our course after we make a choice. Um, In today's episode, we'll be looking at what to do when you have too many jams or too many yogurts. Mm, I'm confused and hungry. Perfect, (laughs) Uh, because confusion is the decision-making problem that we'll be talking about today. Confusion caused by too many options. Uh, We'll learn how an abundance of choice can be more of a curse than a blessing sometimes. Uh, And we'll explore some tips for how to deal with excessive options. Tess, have you ever traveled to places where you wished that you had more choices? Oh, all the time, Ken. I'm gluten intolerant, so I often crave more choices. Uh, Particularly, I'm recalling my first trip to Italy when I was just very ready for something other than risotto for dinner. Oh, yeah, Yeah. that would have been really hard. Yeah. Um, I lived in Africa for a couple of years. And supermarkets as we know them in the West were few and far between. Uh, Instead, I would shop at the little Hanout or corner store, which had very few options. Uh, The range of choices was underwhelming, Tessa. uh, If you wanted toilet paper, then you were relieved if they had one kind. (laughs) Many, many stores had none. Uh, And there were maybe two types of yogurt of unpredictable quality. I often long to be back in a land of plenty where there was no limit to yogurt varieties. Uh, And I remember so clearly how excited I was when I came back to Australia and I saw a massive supermarket again. Um, But that excitement quickly turned to bewilderment. I wandered around for quite a while before I even found the yogurt. And when I did, the choices were so numerous that it was overwhelming. I looked for a while and then I left the supermarket unable to choose. With no yogurt? Alas, No yogurt. Um, And this phenomenon is not unique. There's a famous study involving jams that you might have heard of. Again, the setting is a supermarket. Uh, The researchers set out a number of different varieties of jam to entice shoppers. And as you'd expect, having varieties was good. A table of 50 jars of apricot jam was not going to appeal to everyone. But the interesting thing was that the researchers found that you could actually have too many jams. The study showed that shoppers were 10 times more likely to purchase jam on display when the number of jams available was reduced from 24 to 6. The larger number of choices meant the supermarket made less sales. How interesting. I mean, I often feel like this at the supermarket too. And and that's why I find shopping at Aldi to be sometimes more efficient and relaxing as I just don't have to choose. Just to clarify, Aldi is not a sponsor of no, the podcast. No, I mean, not at feel this stage, free to although, reach out. Yeah. yeah, that's right. If anyone works at Aldi. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they often only have one type of Greek yogurt. So I always go home with yogurt. Oh, very, yeah, very good. Um, Barry Schwartz, who is a professor of social theory and probably an Aldi shopper no based on uh, his book, explores this phenomenon in the book The Paradox of Choice. Schwartz cites some revealing research into patients' views about cancer treatment. 65% of people surveyed said that if they got cancer, they would like to be able to choose their own treatment. However, the attitudes of people who actually had cancer were different. How different? 
Well, remarkably different. Only 12% of cancer patients wanted to choose compared to that 65%. Yeah, I mean, when I think about it, I would want the expert making the decision for me. I'm sure if you're in that situation, you'd actually be a bit overwhelmed um, at the options. That's right. And Schwartz concludes, when it comes to medical treatment, patients see choice both as a blessing and a burden. Um, Because the bottom line is we can get trapped in an endless effort to optimize or find the best option. An abundance of choice feeds that fixation. We see a good option, but then we think, oh, maybe there's a better choice. And so we keep looking and looking and we become more and more confused until we're so fatigued that we lose the the desire to choose. Uh, In support of a book that I'm writing on decision-making, I conducted a survey that explored attitudes towards choosing because I was really interested to see how people approached this issue of trying to, of, of optimizing. And so one of the questions asked, when you make decisions, how would you generally describe your goal? So here's four of them, Tess. You can tell me which one applies to you. A, choose quickly. B, just choose a good option. C, choose the best of the available options. Or D, keep looking until you find the right choice. Mm, I'm a definite B. So choose a, choose a good option. Choose a good option. Sometimes yeah. C, but my partner, on the other hand, is very much a D, and this often causes mutual <laughs> frustration. So he will keep looking until he finds the right choice. Oh, yeah. Now, look, this wasn't a perfectly worded question, and I thought about this afterwards. I couldn't tell from their responses if people were thinking about a major life decision or just an unimportant one when they were answering. But the thing that did stand out for me was that 67% of people said that their general approach was to choose the best of the available options, and another 22% chose D, like your partner, Mm. um, that they would keep looking until they found the right choice. So that's about, let me work it out, 90%, almost 90% of people who essentially are trying to optimise when they make choices. I mean, isn't this the way most people would describe decision-making, choosing the best available option? Why should we settle for something that's okay if we can keep looking and find something that's great? Yeah, look, that's a very good comment, and it does seem completely logical. However, if we apply this approach to all our decisions, it does create some problems. Um, As we've discussed already, the first one is a fixation on optimising can be paralysing. Have you ever watched the comedy The Good Place? I I have. It's very clever. Yeah. So you'll remember the character Cheaty Mm. then, um, who's obsessed with getting all his choices right. And as a result, he simply can't make choices. Um, And there's this quote from Cheaty where he says, my whole life has been a torture chamber of indecision. (laughs) Um, And as I recall, his indecision actually was what led to his untimely death. So that's a warning to all our listeners. Yeah, exactly. Linger Mm. too long at the yogurt fridge and who knows what might befall you. (laughs) Um, So a second issue is that optimising takes time and effort. Uh, We're faced with a multitude of decisions each day. Some of them are trivial. Some of them are significant. We simply don't have time to deliberate methodically about every choice. It's better to save time and energy for the choices that count. Mm, Exactly. My approach. Uh, I mean, it has backfired to me before. There is one example of a, you know, a hotel in San Fran that was kind of a halfway house slash crack den. Please (laughs) tell us about your San Francisco crack den. I mean, (laughs) 
Look, I was tasked with doing the research for the hotel. It was just one night stopover. Yeah. Um, and so I went on a well-known flight website, which right. you got points for booking through them. Okay. And I found one that was a reasonable price, not crazy expensive, but, yeah. you know, reasonable and had solid reviews. So I booked. Um, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, good. Um, we got off the train, walked to the hotel through an incredibly seedy um, neighbourhood oh, yeah. with a large homeless pop- population. Were alarm bells ringing fairly Loudly at, at, at yeah, point. at that point, yeah, it was nighttime as well, um, oh, and we were no. dragging very heavy snowboard bags. Oh, um, no. We arrived; the lift was broken, oh. so we walked up five flights of stairs with oh, our heavy God. snowboard bags to get to a single bed room that right. was kind of like Harry Potter's, you know, <laughs> room under the stairs sort of size. Walked oh. back down the five stairs, and they just asked us, you know, could we just put up with it for a night? Said no, we've actually paid for a queen bed, so that's what we're going to get. Oh, no. Eventually, they found one um, that was ready, um, and it had cigarette burns in the sheets. Oh. Um, and we discovered from doing some research online that it was actually used as a halfway house, and someone had actually been murdered, I think, around the corner oh, like a week before. Right. Um, so it's probably in one of those Netflix documentaries, oh, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah. Look, yeah. my partner has never let me forget this, and he always <laughs> uh, encourages his method of decision-making from this one one bad example. Right. So we could argue there that optimising is important or even just researching enough to make sure that the option is yeah. a good option. Maybe option not just C a, sometimes yeah, is appropriate. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, well, look, a third issue then is also that focusing on optimising can leave a second guessing after we make the decisions. Mm. So how can you ever be sure that the option you finally chose was the best one? Mm. Look, maybe if you just looked a bit further looked a bit longer, you would have found a better choice. Yeah. I mean, I can see this playing out in smaller decisions too, like shopping for clothes, but also in the big stuff, like a job or a partner. Yeah, that's right. And the challenge is amplified when there are a huge number of available options. If I was living in a little European village in the Middle Ages, um, I wouldn't have the options that we might have today. Choices about food, partners, jobs would all be very simple. If I was sick, I wouldn't wonder which doctor to go to or whether to even go to a doctor or maybe some other sort of um, medical professional. Um, I'd front up to the door of Lothar the medic. Um, I'd point to the spot on my chest where I had stabbing pains and Lothar would slap on a handful of leeches. Um, And the next day I'd be dead and people (laughs) would gather to marvel at this person who'd who'd lived so long, so much longer than the average life expectancy of 30 years. Um, But today our expectations and opportunities have uh, expanded. We've got a lot more options. We've got access to worldwide markets through online shopping. So if I want to buy a container of leeches to treat myself, I probably can find some of those. No doubt. Um, The options, though, can be overwhelming because they're so vast. Exactly. I mean, now you've got Tinder. Back then, you would have just married your cousin Gertrude. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So much simpler. (laughs) (laughs) So so what do we do with this information to improve our decision making? All right. So when we're faced with this dizzying array of options, pause and first of all, ask yourself, how important is this decision? Do I need to agonize and optimize or can I be satisfied with a good option. Um, and they, there's a word for that. It's a bit, sounds a bit weird, but they call it satisficing rather than mm. optimizing. I like that. I think it's called a portmanteau, isn't it? When they meld the two words. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So the next thing is to ask yourself, what do I want from this choice? Uh, if you don't know what you want, 
then arguably you're not ready to decide. I think we talked about this already in a, in a previous episode. Uh, once you've got a clear idea of what you're hoping to achieve, once you know your goal, then you can use that to navigate through an abundance of options and pick a good one. The next thing is always remember that we live in a consumer society and that companies are striving to make us feel dissatisfied with what we have so that they can sell us something new. So we can opt out of that madness. We can learn to be satisfied with the many good things that we have already. It's a shift in attitude. And so the final one then is accepting that there are always options out there that could be ranked as better than the one you chose. That last one is tough. Can you explain that a bit more? Yeah, it's tough. And and look, it's probably very controversial. Uh, But let's think about it this way. When you choose an option, you are almost always engaged in trade-offs. What I mean by that is, let's say you're choosing a job. You want something that pays well um, or pays adequately. You want something that's challenging and interesting. You want to have supportive management. Um, You want opportunities for promotion. Uh, you want to live in a in a city that that's actually attractive uh, and interesting, but the option that you choose will almost never be at the top of the list for all of those categories. So you might give up an option that has better pay because you actually prefer the option that offers more meaning and that's more aligned with your values. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. Yeah. Yeah. So depending on what criteria you're looking at. There's always a better option, mm. uh, but that's okay. You chose a great option. You used the information you had available. Uh, you focused on the criteria that were important and uh, you ended up getting something that aligned with your goals. Mm. And there's also the time you save and the mental anguish you avoid by not agonizing over every decision, good and bad. Don't be like Cheedy in The Good Place who doesn't enjoy life because of the endless attempt to optimize every little decision. Yeah, that's right. So look, our key message from today Don't always put energy into optimizing. There's times to optimize, um, but think about it whether a good choice might be adequate Mm. in this situation. Got it. That that satisfying point. That's right. So we'll make a list of the questions in our show notes on the website. But if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you to subscribe to How to Choose and visit us at goodbetterright.com.au. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. We'd love to meet them too. Teach them a lesson from this podcast. It'll help you remember. Excellent. Hey, thanks so much for joining us in this episode. And be sure to tune in next time when we'll be learning about what to do with urgent decisions. And I almost forgot, congratulations to the two winners of our big giveaway. And those people are Chris Leadham and Clara Reed. Chris and Clara will each win their choice of a $50 Dimmix bookstore voucher or a three-month subscription to Audible. So thanks so much to everyone who entered the competition and a huge thank you to everyone who has subscribed and is following our show. 